All right, let's go to God in prayer and then let's get into the word. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. And I pray, God, that today's time will help us to walk away more amazed by you, more grateful to you, more appreciative to you, and more devoted to you. God, thank you for all the many blessings you've given us. Uh, I do pray for Wendy and her family that you continue to work in their lives and help her to be strong. And help us all, Father, to remember uh, to be our brothers and sisters keeper. I know uh, with a church of this size, we may not even know everybody, but it's good just to have good-hearted fellowship, just to say hi. You never know the hug we may give today may be exactly what somebody needs, God. And I just pray that we can just keep an outward focus of encouraging each other and not focus on what's going on just in our lives, but help us to think of other people as well. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the reasons why we become Christians is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, our motivations may not always start there. It may be we're scared of going to hell, or we just want to go to heaven, or we want to change. It could be a number of things. Uh, My first Bible talk I went to was because they had food. I wanted to eat. Your motivations may not be exactly right in the beginning, but everything takes us back to the cross. The cross was a miracle in itself, what happened with Jesus. But I want to focus on something today. There were several other miracles that happened on Calvary Hill at the same time of Jesus' crucifixion. And those miracles happened for a reason. And so I want to focus us on today the miracles that happened on Calvary Hill at the cross. Because they all play a major role in our faith, in our closeness to God. And I want to encourage us with that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. It says, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. You know, there are several miracles that happened right here in this reading. Not just with Jesus dying on the cross, but there were other miracles that God did that I want to help us to see today. So our faith can grow and our uh, uh, love and assurance from God can grow as well. The first miracle I want to talk about is darkness at midday. It was darkness in the middle of the day. It says in verse 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. Now in King James, the Bible says it this way, the same verse. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. 
In the common English Bible, it says, from noon until three in the afternoon, the whole earth was dark. The Message Bible says, from noon to three, the whole earth was dark. And in the NIV, Luke 23 says, it was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. And there's two things to notice here. First of all, darkness came over the whole earth. Not just at Calvary Hill, the whole earth. And then secondly, it says the sun stopped shining. Now I'm convinced, even in the Greek, when it talks about it, it talks about how intense it was. Everything was dark. It doesn't say that the sun got darker. It doesn't say the sun failed to be bright. It doesn't say there was an eclipse. It says the sun stopped shining. Now, to grasp that for a minute, you have to imagine, it wasn't just the earth that was affected. When the sun stops shining, the whole solar system is affected by what happens. The sun is 94.5 million miles away. It's so far that when the sunlight was traveling at 186,000 miles per second, starts to shine from the sun, it still takes eight minutes for, to reach us. That's how far away the sun is from us. So in order for God to make the sun stop shining, not only did it affect Calvary, Jerusalem, the whole earth, the globe, but it affected our whole solar system. You believe in aliens? Even the aliens were affected on other planets. What happened to Jesus on the cross wasn't just in that city. And sometimes that's kind of what we think. It says when the sun stopped shining, it affected the whole globe, the whole solar system. Everything was affected by what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Now look over in Mark chapter 15. You know, it said Jesus had already hung on the cross for three hours before darkness fell. According to Mark, Jesus was tormented for six hours on the cross. Look at Mark 15, verse 25. It says, it was the third hour when they crucified him. So 9 a.m. in the morning. Then look down verse 33. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. So from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock, Jesus was tortured. In the middle of that, during the third hour, is when darkness fell. So what happened those first three hours while Jesus was up on the cross? Let me explain. The guards, they were beating Jesus. They were spitting on him. This is all within the first three hours. Flogging him. The chief priests, they were upset. They were yelling. They were screaming. Uh, why is this sign up there? He's not the king of the Jews. All of a sudden, the soldiers, they started gambling for his clothes, his garments, even his loincloth. They were going to gamble for who gets that. In other words, they were going to strip him completely naked. He would have nothing. They were taking everything from Jesus. The crowd of people were there. They were shaking their hands, spitting at him, yelling things. All this commotion was going on everywhere. Noise, noise, people screaming. And all of a sudden, darkness came over the land. Everything stopped. Priests didn't say anything, guards didn't say anything, crowds didn't say anything. It was a complete darkness. 
Now let me take you back for a moment. Look in Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. We remember one of the plagues that occurred. It was the plague of darkness. And in verse 21 it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness will spread over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in their places where they lived. This darkness covered all of just Egypt. It was a darkness that could be felt. The darkness on Calvary covered the whole earth. The whole globe. Only thing they could hear when that darkness came were the drops of Jesus' blood falling to the ground. Imagine that. Complete darkness. See, that's what it was like for them. Now, when you're looking at something, say, for example, you look up at one of these lights up here for a minute. Everybody, let's take a quick look up at the light. Hit the light again, Larry. Now look up there at the light. Okay, turn the light back on. Now when you're looking at something, and then it gets dark, what do you do? You see that impression of it in your mind. Everybody's looking at Jesus on the cross. It gets completely dark, and now the imprint of Jesus is what's on their minds. That's all they see, is that impression. And this is what Jesus... Impact meant more than just Calvary. That darkness that covered the earth was something of a miracle because God used it in order to change people. The first thing I want to point out was not just the miracle of Jesus on the cross, but the fact that the sun stopped shining at 12 o'clock noon on the day he died. And that affected the whole solar system. See, it's bigger than just us. And sometimes we get so caught up in our own little world. We think everything is about just us, right here, right now. And we don't even see the bigger picture. Jesus' death has a bigger picture than just us in our own world. Not to belittle who we are, but to help us see this is a bigger thing than just me. So what I'm doing now affects so much more. That was one of the miracles that occurred as well. Let me tell you about the second miracle that occurred during this time. And that is, in verse, let's go back to Matthew 27. Are you with me here? Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. Matthew 27, 50 and 51. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. The second miracle was the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, for us to fully grasp this second miracle, we need to understand something about the curtain. The way they worshiped in their temple, there was an outer court. Say, for example, this is the outer court where everybody's sitting at. And then they had a curtain there, bigger than this curtain. Historians say the curtain was 30 feet high 
30 feet wide and over four inches thick. So when they went to move the curtain fully, they actually had to hook up horses with ropes in order to pull the curtain back because it weighed so much and it was so heavy. So it wasn't just something somebody could just go run along and pull open. It was much thicker than that. So the curtain closed and it separated the outer court from the holy place. And then there was another space behind the holy place called the Holy of Holies. The mercy seat was back there. See, only the priest can go to the holy place and only the high priest can go to the next one. So here's the congregation knowing here's the priest, there's the the, the high priest, but I could never get there because this curtain separates me from everybody else. It's a sad thing when there's a curtain or a wall trying to separate people, isn't it? I'm going to leave it like that. But the curtain was so thick and so big, it served the purpose of separating the people from God. The people would be out there and the kids would say, Mom, what's behind the curtain? Oh, that's the mercy seat. Well, can I ever see it? No, son, you'll never be able to see that. You'll never be able to experience that holiness back there. We have to stay out here on the other side of the curtain. That's where God and those close to God can be. But us, we have to stay out here. The curtain stood as a separation of the people from God. It would be considered as if a wall of sin was there between the people and God. The tearing of the curtain showed that the price for sin was paid. And it was torn from top to bottom, which means man didn't do it. Because man couldn't get up 30 feet high, four inch thick curtains to rip them apart like that. It shows that when it was done, God was the one that tore the curtain apart. The thing that separated him from man was torn apart. And now even the common man can have a relationship with God, which everyone can now come together. There was no elite anymore. No one above everyone else. Everyone became equal with the tearing of the curtain. Truly, that's the way God wants things to be. Only thing that should be separated by color is your laundry. So the miracle of darkness, the miracle of the curtain being torn in two. There was another miracle that happened. Look in verse 51 again. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. You know, what makes this earthquake a miracle? There's a number of reasons. You know, the greatest miracle recorded here for us is in May 22, 1960, the Chilean earthquake. It was recorded as a 9.5 on the magnitude scale. By the end of the earthquake and its effects, 5,000 people had died and another 2 million people were homeless. Earthquakes cause a lot of damage, a lot of destruction. In 1988, in Armenian city of Russia, the earthquake there was a 5.0. It killed over 25,000 people. Many buildings were destroyed because they were made of clay and of stones, just like back in Jesus' day, those kind of houses that they had back then. But the Bible tells us how strong this earthquake was that rocks 
split. They didn't just like crumble and just break off, fall apart. They literally split open. That's how hard the ground shook. Now, why was this earthquake a miracle? Let me give you three reasons. First one is this. Notice that even though the rocks split, the earth shook, the tombs broke open, neither of the three crosses moved. Could you imagine an earthquake happening, splitting rocks, destroying, you know, mountains, but yet the two cross, three crosses sitting there didn't even shake. God showed his stability even though the earth was just in chaos. That's a miracle. If you think about that for a minute, man, there was an actual earthquake and some crosses hung up there with some string, and now they're just standing there, didn't even budge. Not only that, but the houses that were in Jerusalem. You think about it. There was people living in a house. This, again, this is a, 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 a religious holiday that's going on. There were millions of people there, but nobody died. No house crumbled. Rocks, everything else crumbled around him, but he did not destroy anybody's personal property. Why? Because this was all a part of God's plan. See, God wanted people to witness rocks falling apart, tombs being broken open, the curtain of the temple torn in two, but the temple not damaged at all. What does that say? How can inside just a curtain shake and tear apart, but nothing else around it was bothered? God wanted everybody to see not just what happened to Jesus on the cross, but that he ripped that curtain apart, that he kept the three crosses standing strong, that he was the one behind everything. So even the people that were hiding from him, he still kept them safe. Why? Because there's people today still hiding from God. And God is still saying, I'm still in control. Even though I know you're hiding, I know where you are. The people that are hiding, he knew where they were and still wanted to make sure they stayed alive long enough to see the miracle of Jesus. You know what? There's some people that have been coming to church here for a while. But God still kept you alive so far. So you can see the miracle of what's going on. And he's saying, how much more do you need to see before you wake up Study the Bible and commit yourself to him. He's also talking to some of us that are already in the church. He said, I've showed you a miracle one of your own personal life changing. I've showed you and let you be a part of other people's lives changing as a miracle. So why are you sitting there lukewarm right now? You're not hot. You're not cold because you're here. But you're not hot. You're lukewarm. And for those that are lukewarm, I'd rather spit you out of my mouth. Well, why would, why would a loving God do that? Look at what all he did to just get your attention. Let Jesus die, cause the sun to stop shining, cause an earthquake but not damage, all to get you to love his son. So at this point, the question is, what more is it going to take for God to get you to commit to him. Sometimes we say, I, I, I just couldn't even read my Bible this morning. I was just too tired. Too tired? After all God has done for you? And you too tired to read your Bible? There's a real problem there. 
But let me move on to the next miracle. The fourth miracle. Again, Matthew 27, verse 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. The next miracle was the fact that the dead were raised and appeared in the city. So it's not like somebody said, ooh, I saw a dead person over there. No, you didn't. You're lying. Look, he's sitting right there in the city. Go on down there and talk to him. Now here's the amazing thing. In verse 53, let me point this out to you here. It says, they came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. They didn't go into the city and appear to many people until after Jesus' resurrection. Now you got to remember, the earthquake caused the tombs to open up. So the tombs opened up, the bodies of many of these holy saints were there. But three days later is when Jesus resurrected. So they didn't come out of these tombs and go into the city for three days. So first of all, I was like, okay, wait a minute, that, that's kind of a little scary there. But here's the thing. The power of Jesus' resurrection even resurrected the dead. It wasn't just Jesus' resurrected. It was so powerful, not just Jesus, but everybody else got on up and got out of there. You know, when our time comes and we're gone, we're gone. You're gone, you're gone. That's about it. But there's no power, no knowledge, no force that man can do to restore a person back to life except through the resurrection power of Jesus. That is the only way. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. When our time comes, these bodies of ours are going to go back to the dust. Go back to the earth. Some people are happier than others, but we're going to go back to the earth. But our soul is going to go back before God. So here's the question. Are you ready for your soul to meet God? See, if we were all really faithful and confident, we would have stood up and applauded for that one. Yes, Jesus, take me back home right now. Well, there's a little bit of doubt in some of us. A little bit of hesitation. Ah, maybe give me about two more days. Let me read my word a little bit more first. Let me share my faith one more time before you take me, Lord. See, we have a little bit of caution. If you are a child of God, you need to be confident. Because it says, the Bible says, he's giving you a crown of victory. You don't need to walk around wondering, am I going to win a championship? You need to walk around, I already won the championship. I got the crown of victory. I'm good as it can be. The fourth miracle of the cross points us towards the resurrection morning when all the dead will rise and face the Lord. In fact, all these miracles lead us to the same conclusion. Let me, re let me refresh you here. The unnatural darkness that occurred at noon teaches us that Christ is for people everywhere. It wasn't just on Calvary that it got dark. 
the whole earth. The sun stopped shining and affected our whole solar system. God is for everybody, everywhere, not just in Jerusalem on that day. The tearing of the curtain teaches us that there is only through faith in Jesus as our high priest can we have our sins forgiven. When that curtain was torn, it said, no longer do you need somebody interceding for you. You don't need Father Vince talking for you, Father Bubba talking for you, Father Jamal talking for you. You have a personal relationship with God. The curtain's torn, you walk on freely back to the mercy seat. The third miracle, the earth shaking, the rock splitting, shows us the power and authority that Jesus has over death. The whole earth shook, but those crosses stood still. That tells me that God is in control. Oh, we say that time and again, but yet we don't always feel it. Read the Bible, and when you see all that's happening, but yet the crosses don't move. That says God is in full control. Even when things around you are crumbling down, he is still in control of what's going on. And then fourthly, the resurrection of Jesus first and then of the saints shows eternal plan of salvation completed. Now, let's close out in Matthew 24, verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the time coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also... Be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. These miracles give us proof and hope. There's going to be two resurrections, the resurrection to eternal life and the resurrection to eternal separation from God. One or the other. We don't know when our time is going to come. So the Bible says, be ready. If you're not sure, you need to study the Bible. Why would you play around with your salvation? Why would you, I I think, I hope, don't think. Study the Bible. Make sure you're doing what God says. Not some person, not some preacher, not some televangelist. You're doing what the Bible says to do. Then you can sleep good. But if you're not doing, amen. If you're not following the Bible, you kind of sleep with that one eye open, a little nervous, sweat be coming all down. Ooh, what's going to happen tonight? Ooh, I feel a pain in my chest. Oh, Lord, it's time. We get a little nervous. But if you're doing what God calls for you to do, you sleep good. You start snoring, drool be coming all out. You're happy about everything. 
My bad, Felix. But that's how it is. So when we look at the cross, let's be amazed at Jesus and what he went through. But let's also be amazed at the other miracles that God did to help point us back to Jesus and for us to keep that impression burning in our minds as things get dark around us as well. And when things start to crumble, still know God is in control. And to God be the glory. Amen.